Hello and welcome to EMPcast, your NTU employability podcast. A podcast where we chat about all things employability, talking with NTU's very own students, graduates and employees as we ask them about their journey so far entering the world of work. Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, my name is Susanna Page and I'm the communications and digital assistant for the employability team at NTU. Um, and for you observant listeners, if you can hear dance music in the background, my partner's decided he's going to have a DJ session this afternoon. So I want to apologise in advance. And co-hosting with me today is the lovely Diana Passett Atkinson. Hi all, um, I'm Diana from NTU Enterprise team. I support businesses to start up, grow and innovate. And do you know what? I was thinking back to my physics lessons and the most memorable one for me was the ripple tank. And as a result, that really stays in my memory, the wonderful waveforms and the fascination of seeing those shadows. So I know reflection, refraction, diffraction and interference. Well, I can't talk on those topics myself because I have no knowledge. (laughs) Um, And like the last episode, we are joined by not one, but two guests today. Future U and psychology graduate Sam Williams and director of Nottingham Institute of Education, Chris Rolfe. How are you both doing today? Good, I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm really pleased to hear that somebody remembers some physics. Having been a physics teacher for more than 20 years, it's great to hear someone else talk about ripple tanks. But when I was a a student at school, my teacher introduced them as ripple tinks because he was from New Zealand and I actually wrote ripple tinks into my book. (laughs) (laughs) And did you, like me, have that fascination with all of those waveforms? Sam's looking a bit like he's not really sure what we're talking about here. So maybe it was just back in the 80s. Um, I have no idea what a ripple tank is, I'll be honest. So I've got <laughs> nothing to add to that, but I'm I'm good otherwise. OK, you'll have to look it up afterwards. Otherwise, we won't have time to do the podcast. Now, I'll give you a lesson later, Sam. Good, good. I look forward to that. <laughs> so as you can imagine, we both have a ton of questions for you today. Um, but first, before we go any further, it's time for the icebreaker challenge. So Diana, take it away. Okay, so the icebreaker challenge, like with Kaylee and Helen, we're going to be doing a different kind of icebreaker with you both. So you're gonna have to work as a team, taking turns, naming something beginning with each letter of the alphabet so for example if i and susanna were playing and the category was countries i would say azerbaijan and susanna would say brazil oh nice one i would have gone belgium myself mainly because of the chocolate i think but anyway (laughs) so because there are only two of you instead of 77 seconds you will have 55 so are you up for it Sure. Right. I'm going to time you into it. Your category is occupations and your time starts now. Ambulance driver. Um, a brewer. Carpenter. Ooh. A doctor. Um, editor. Farmer. 
glass blower. Hairdresser. Illustrator. Um, Jay, what's that? Uh, jailer. Jailer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, karate instructor. <laughs> L. Uh, lumberjack. Oh, machine operator. Um, N and news anchor. Okay. Um, OT, occupational therapist. Pianist. I think it would have been quicker if Sam knew the Time's up, time's up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Always throws me. I, I, I think that is a record in the icebreaker challenge of this podcast so far. I think you can give yourself a round of applause. Most impressive. Though I have to say, Chris, your E, the fact that you were struggling. And um, what are you the director of? Oh, I could have said educator, yeah. Indeed you yeah. could. You didn't, so never mind. <laughs> right, if it's okay with uh, you, Sam and Chris, let's get into asking some questions. Um, so before we get into talking about the Future You programme and what the experience was like for you both, um, do you both want to maybe introduce yourselves a little bit? Um, tell us who you are, what you do, um, Sam, the degree you studied. Okay, um, hi, I'm Sam. I graduated in psychology. You know my name, I don't know why I started with that. Uh, I graduated in psychology a couple of years ago uh, and now I'm a graduate intern at NTU, um, working on some research and for the student engagement calling team. Uh, and I'm Chris, so as I said earlier, I taught in secondary schools for over 20 years um, before joining NTU and I'm now director of Nottingham Institute of Education where we train teachers but that's only half of what we do. The other half of what we do um, has to do with academic studies of education um, and like all academics I have a role that has um, uh, several different aspects so one of it is teaching um, but in addition to that uh, I do research as well and then uh, obviously there's some admin that goes with leading a big department in the university too so um quite busy mm, okay so i guess we want to know first of all why did you apply for the program what what you know what was the motivation so the the future you program mm. um so before i applied to that i was working at tesco's um i'd applied to a lot of jobs um after graduating and uh, well, I wound up working at Tesco's. It wasn't the experience I wanted, but every little helps, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so I saw the future program and thought, hey, this is a good opportunity to get some different experience, uh, start doing something new. And uh, yeah, it, it was really interesting. I'm glad I, I did. Uh, where, in, where in Tesco's were you working? Uh, I worked in price integrity, uh, so which sounds cooler than it is. Uh, most of my job was swapping labels around. So whenever something goes up or down in price, that was me. Ah, okay, but presumably you could apply a bit of the psychology of pricing in observing people's behaviour. Um, there's definitely a lot of behaviour to observe in Tesco's. Um, when you're there for so many hours, you do see uh, some very colourful characters. So great life experience, if not oh, perhaps the job yeah. that you thought it was in the first place. But anyway, on to Future You programme now. What, what have you been doing in the Future You programme with Chris? Um, so when I did the Future You programme, that was um, a piece of research into Swiss teachers and their sort of motivations uh, for getting into teaching. So trainees uh, in England and Switzerland 
and why they were doing what they were doing. Um, so my job was mostly the interviews had already been taken place, so I didn't get to go to Switzerland or anything like that, um, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, a lot of transcribing uh, that took up a huge amount of time. Um, but analysis as well, which is something I had experience of beforehand. So qualitative analysis. OK, can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, what does that mean for those people who aren't really familiar with those qualitative analysis terminology? What what did that mean you were doing? What day to day were you up to? Um, so qualitative analysis is about really getting at the the subtext essentially um you're looking at the language used you're thinking why are they saying this what does this mean and you're looking for patterns across uh wordy data that's essentially what qualitative means just words rather than numbers ah, uh, which is okay. something i prefer to do <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of looking at words and thinking about words essentially and so did this internship feel like more the way that you were wanting to go in terms of using your psychology degree in in real life situations um so i spent i spent my first two years at university really geared towards empirical study i was a, a massive um sort of positivist uh in the sense that i liked numbers i like the facts uh i like i don't like opinions or subjective but then in third year, I did my dissertation qualitative research, um, looking at vegetarians, uh, and I really, I really enjoyed it. And so I thought, hey, this is a chance to do more of that and see if it's something that I, I'm good at, seeing if it's something I would like to do. And yeah, I think it was it really reaffirmed that uh, that notion for me. I love the fact that you know you're surprised at discovering that you really quite liked looking at this study on vegetarians and now this has kind of shaped what you're doing next it's brilliant so Chris what made you want to take part in the program um not enough hours in a day basically so I as I described before um my day is quite busy with teaching admin work trying to fit some research in um, and I had done the piece of primary research, so I had travelled to Switzerland uh, at their expense, which was lovely, interviewed um, some students out there, come back and we'd done some interviews over here as well, which got a bit curtailed uh, because of COVID. So I had a pile of data and I knew I was really going to struggle to find the time to analyse it properly. Uh, and the Future U programme gave me the opportunity to have an intern who would have the right skills to do that specific piece of work, analysing that wordy data, as, as Sam called it. So I knew exactly what skills I needed. I didn't mind what subject area anybody had graduated from, as long as they had the skills to be able to do that analysis. So I guess you were talking about how from the programme you can get something out of it, as well as the student and graduate. Is that what really kind of drove you? As yes, well? it is twofold. So, you know, underneath all of that, I'm a teacher and I like to see other people learning and benefiting as well. So um you know i knew that if sam did the work well which he did but obviously i didn't know him to start with but uh, i knew if the the work had been done well we would be able to write that up into a journal article and sam will go down as one of the named uh, authors on that article when we finally get it finished so that's still ongoing but he did a really good piece of work for me i hope that he learned from that and i know from the work that he's done since then where we've carried on working together that that's helped to kind of open his eyes to other career possibilities. We never made it to R, did we? But had we done, we could have looked at researcher. 
Brilliant. I love that. You can come back to do the kind of links between bits of the podcast <laughs> later, Chris, because you're obviously great at it. So um, what I'd like to know is before you got Sam, how did you get to getting him? What about that application process and why did you choose Sam? Remembering, uh, obviously, he is listening. Yeah. Um, so what happens is we fill in a form requesting um, an intern through the programme. So you lay out, it's a bit like a job description, really. These are the skills that I need. This is what I think uh, they'll need to do. This is how it fits with my work. This is how they all benefit. So I do all of that. And then magically behind the scenes, somehow a recruitment process happened. And then I was sent through um, something that looked a bit like a CV, really, that said, this is Sam. Does it look as though he will suit? Um, so it's a bit like a blind date um that you know that somebody has, has fixed up and uh, actually we got on really well sam was eminently capable of, of doing the piece of work and as I, i've said already he he did it really well so um and i think i think we got on quite well together didn't we sam we didn't have any difficulty working together yeah i think sam I mean, we're still working together so it must have worked yeah. out all right that's brilliant so sam what was the application process like for you uh, it, I mean, it was quite simple from what I remember, just fill in the details of what you've done, who you are and what sort of experience you're looking for. And um, very intuitive. And then once you've done that, they, you get in touch, you have a call with someone who interviews you, just uh, gets to know you, I suppose. Um, and then they just give you a selection almost of different sort of scenarios that might suit what you're going for. Like um, I chose the Swiss teachers one. I'm glad I did because uh, it's got me where I am now. And it was very interesting. But I remember the only other one that I can remember, actually, was um, a sort of linguistics of politicians, which I thought, oh, that could be interesting. But no, I chose this and um, here I am now. Before... I feel special now, Sam. Thank you. I didn't know I was specially chosen. <laughs> well, ah, yes, that's a bit of a, a revelation, isn't it? Um, and would you then advise other students to go for this yeah definitely definitely um as part of the future you um we did like presentations near the end of what we've been up to uh, with other people on the program so it was really interesting to see the sort of variety of what people had done and um, like there were people designing logos making animations uh, for the students union that was really cool and so yeah it, it was very interesting the sort of range of possible things you could get into and um, so how how did you find out about future you I think it was an email, honestly. I think I just, um, yeah, I just saw an email and thought, hey, this sounds interesting. I'll go for it. So, Chris, what happened after the internship? You know, you've had someone for six weeks, then what? Um, well, we were really pleased with the work that Sam had done. And partway through his six week internship, I realised that if I could keep him on, then I would. So I went away to try and find some money to fund keeping Sam on. Um, I had another piece of research that I needed doing. So I had, a, I had some work for him to do. I just needed to make sure I funded it, which I managed to do through another department. So I think, you know, the internship worked really well for me in terms of finding someone to do a piece of work, but then also giving the opportunity, if I liked them, to keep them on within the organisation. And I think that's a real benefit for employers to be able to to um, to get someone, see how they do, and if they, if they like them, be able to offer them something beyond that. 
So it's actually the Future You internship is a really easy way to just try someone as an employee with no risk to you. And as you said, no, no bother for the recruitment process because you have them for that six weeks and it's up to you what happens after that. That is amazing. Sam, were you kind of expecting this to happen? Did you expect from the six weeks it would then continue and become something much more? Um, no, going into it, I, I thought uh, six weeks, good experience. What have I got to lose? Might as well get that. Um, but when uh, Chris started talking about the potential for another project after this, I was like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I've enjoyed these six weeks. I'll I'll keep going. Um, and based on what I heard from other people's um, internships, there's quite a few people who have been in similar situations where um, they've done good work, they were liked, and so they, they were kept on. So um, do you still look for bargains in Tesco's? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's a shame I don't get to see it live. You know, as I was changing the prices, I'd know exactly what was on offer. Um, and plus my 10% discount. Well, I really missed that. Sorely missed that. <laughs> but you've traded it for some fabulous research. Definitely. And I don't need to get up at 4am now. So that's a nice change. Um, and so for students that are still struggling to find something that they want to do, um, Chris, first of all, have you got a bit of advice for them? And then we'll go back to Sam and see if he can give them any other tips. I think my advice would be not to rule anything out. So, you know, Sam looked at something that was outside of his degree area, but that nonetheless he had the skills for. And I think if people are open to a variety of, of different things, you know, and you may see something where you don't even know what it is, you have to do a bit of digging to understand what the thing is. So that would be my advice um, to stay as open as possible. And you may discover something that's, that you didn't realise you would enjoy or that you didn't realise you'd be good at. That's really great advice, you know, not to stay in one lane in away but to to actually move out of your comfort zone you know to to change and to perhaps even look to a different industry sector for for where you go for for what you're going to get your experience in and all of those transferable skills that you get as a result of doing that are brilliant um thanks for that advice chris over to you, Sam, what, what sort of thing would you be saying if there's a graduate out there listening and going, well, you know, it's all right for him because he got this really nice placement. Um, some advice would be helpful. Uh, I think I think Chris nailed it. Yeah, just keep your eyes open and go after things that look interesting to you that are, are maybe a little bit different if they are. Yeah, just keep your eyes open. And um, one thing I would add to that is use the university you know they're here to help there's a whole team of people that sticks with you for what is it three years after you graduate and they want you to succeed so why not get the help from them absolutely and we didn't pay you to do that um that was completely you know off the cuff there um <laughs> Susanna I think you've got some more questions yeah so Chris uh, Sam told us about his job at Tesco um just looking back on your work history could you tell us about one of the first jobs that you ever had okay um so Sam and I often talk about Tesco because before I went to university I used to work in Sainsbury's so I have that um, retail experience the worst job I had although I enjoyed it because it was working outdoors I worked in a dog kennels boarding kennels um and uh, every morning when I arrived, the first job was to go around every single kennel and I had to scoop whatever messes the dogs had made in each kennel and clean them all down. And I ended up with two huge buckets of what I'd scooped, which I then had to carry to a big muck pile and throw on the pile. And that probably is one of the worst things I had to do. But it did teach me um, that most jobs have their downsides. 
but there were upsides too and running around fields with dogs and getting paid for it was just great fun. So if you are struggling in a job at the moment that you don't particularly like, you know, you need to look on the bright side of that, that you are learning transferable skills, even if it's not in the industry that you want to be exactly. in. Exactly. And I mean, there has to be a caveat with that. Obviously, if it's affecting your mental health or your well-being too much, then you might need to get out of it. But if you can grit your teeth and bear it, then I think, you know, you need to carry on doing that and look around you and think, OK, what's my next step going to be rather than feel you have to stick with something forever. That's an absolutely brilliant point to make since we're in wellbeing week at the moment. You know, thinking about your mental health when you're working is really, really important. But I think what you said, Chris, was, you know, you hung on in at the kennels and then were really searching hard for the thing that was going to be your next step. And it is always easier to get a job from the position of having a job Um, and as you say if you know if there's one bright light in a in a rubbishy job it is about actually you are getting paid for it so you're sort of building up that mate being able to pay your bills and you can then think about where you're going dream to the next thing as it were Um, what what do you do to relax Chris when you're working hard because you're clearly a really busy man and since you've touched on well-being someone who's so busy how do yeah. you do that? How do you look after your well-being? Um, well, I like to be outside when I can. Um, we're very lucky. We've got um, a lot of space around us. I live on an old farm. So just like to be outside, really. But um, kind of organise things. I, so I sail at weekends. There's a reservoir up the road from us and I sail a little dinghy pretty badly. I have three aims when I'm sailing. The first one is uh, to finish a race. The second one is to finish a race without capsizing. And the ultimate aim, if I can do it, is to finish a race without cup sizing and not come last. <laughs> Great ambitions. Do you watch the waveforms whilst sailing? Not that I'm uh, obsessed with that or anything. No, I, I think you are. It's just a reservoir. So um, we just get little choppy waves on the reservoir. It's not like, like you get at sea. But the thing about it is I have to really, really concentrate. And it's brilliant because I can't, I can't, even if I wanted to, I can't think about work while I do it. So if I think about something else, I end up underneath the boat. And that's not really where you want to be. So it's, you know, it's just total concentration on something that's completely different. And that's the important thing about it. And uh, Sam, have you got any anything you like to do to relax? Maybe do you sail a few boats or are you more like a typical young person and like Netflix and just kind of chilling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no boats for me. Not yet. Maybe maybe that's something I can explore later on in life. Um, but I, I play music. That's sort of my go-to. That's my, my go-to hobby where I sort of shut off from work and I just, I do that. I'm not very good. As in you play the music yourself. What, what instruments or what form does that take? Um, so I play the guitar and the ukulele both pretty poorly <gasps> oh ukulele mm. interesting instrument how did you get into playing ukulele um i've been playing the ukulele longer than i've been playing the guitar about eight years now i think um which is w- far too much time to say how bad i am at it um but i, I recently bought a banjo lily which i'm quite excited about um oh what a banjo lily so it's half banjo half ukulele it's i what, didn't um, know such a thing existed um, sort of two instruments have a child and <laughs> yeah basically yeah the, um, the ukulele took off in the 1920s throughout universities um and the banjo market wanted to get in on it so that's what they brought out what a marvelous innovation um are you are you playing you know are you performing and are you kind of part of any of the virtual bands that are happening at the moment? 
I'm not, but you know, maybe it'd be fun to look into that. Uh, I'm not very good though, so it's whether or not any would take me. <laughs> um, so everything's going virtual at the moment. Um, if we could talk about a bit about remote working and how you guys are kind of finding that and if it's if it's for you, because um, there was a according to top CV survey, only 7% of people actually want to return back to the office um, after the pandemic is over. Um, so yeah, my question to you is, how do you feel about that? Are, do you like the remote working or do you miss being in physical work environment? I think that's an interesting question and, and my answer to that has changed. So to start with, I, I really liked it. Um, I'm much more efficient, I get much more done. You know, if I chat to someone outside their office over a coffee or whatever, um, when we're on campus, then that's fine. But if I stand in the kitchen and talk to my wife drinking a coffee, I feel guilty and I rush back to work. So I end up being much more efficient. Um, and it was quite satisfying getting uh, getting work done. So I did enjoy it and I still enjoy it, but I really miss um, some of the social aspects of just being in the space um, together with people. And there are some meetings and things, some activities that we would do beyond the teaching, which actually don't work very well on Teams. Um, and I think you can also reach that point where you've had eight hours of staring at a screen and um, you've just had enough of it. So I'd I quite like to get back, but I'd like quite a good mix of working at home and working in the office. That, that'd be my view, I think. Yeah. And so the same question to you, Sam, how how do you feel about kind of the remote working environment that we find ourselves in at the moment? Um, well, it's nice not to have to commute anywhere. Um, I'm in exactly the same boat as Chris, actually. I'd like a mix. Uh, it's nice to have that sort of socialising, but equally, it's nice to just not have to leave the house to do work. Um, obviously, that sort of separation of work and how home is quite nice for some people, but I'm a very introverted person, so this kind of suits me nicely some days. Sam, are you one of those people who will, um, working from home, kind of roll out of bed five minutes before you're due to start? Or do you like to still give yourself that routine? Definitely today? the roll out of bed, or at least I definitely was today. So. so one of the things that a lot of students, graduates will be doing is having virtual interviews now. So Chris, Sam, what top tips would you have for them? I'll, I'll give you mine, which is remember that when you are being interviewed, that small round hole at the top of whatever device you're on is actually eye contact with the person who's interviewing you. So look there, make eye contact and smile would be my tip. What about you, Chris? That's good. I would um, encourage them to imagine they're in the room with the person. Uh, so all the normal things would still apply. We interview um, lots of students for our teacher training courses and the best ones take it quite seriously. So they don't just roll out of bed in their pyjamas. They do make a little bit of effort, at least above the table. Um, and they do the eye contact um, and the smiling and so on. So it, it's about just imagine you're in the room with the person. Sam, have you got any top tips? That's a, that's a tricky question. Um, I'm not, I don't have the most experience to give any sort of brilliant advice, but I guess the advice I would give is remember to listen. And that's kind of the advice I give to anyone communicating. Um, make sure you're paying attention to what's said. Don't just think about your answers. Think about what they're saying. That's a good tip. OK, so I think we're ready to move on to a final game. Susanna. Yes. So um, as we said before, this week is Wellbeing Week at university. Um, so I thought, why not play a game to promote the importance of mindfulness? 
So um, we are going to play a quick round of word association. So we'll go around in a circle. We each have to say a word that comes instantly to our head from what the other person said. And you're not allowed to stumble. You're not allowed to repeat a word. If you do, you're out. And the winner is the last one remaining in the circle. What order are we going in, Susanna? And we're playing as well on this one. So yes, there's four of us. So if I start, because I've got the starting word here, and then if we go um, Sam, Chris, and then Diana, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah? Perfect. Okay, so the starting word is tree. Uh, bush. Leaf. Green. Flower. Rose. Soil. Soya. Milk. Egg. Bacon. <laughs> Breakfast. Tomato. Um, oh, pear? that's a hesitation, Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry, I let you off on the first one, but I think you're out on that one. Chris. Unlucky. Um, am I going from tomato? Indeed. Salad. Uh, leaves. Oh, grass. <laughs> Susanna, I think that was a large hesitation. Okay, Chris. You said leaves. Okay. I, um, I have to say, I think leaves is a repeat. <gasps> Does that mean that... I said it after bush. You did indeed. In which case, you are... And declare myself winner. the champion. Declare yourself the champion who knows the rules better than I do. <laughs> and, you know, quite where the soya came from, from your soil, I have no soil. idea. <laughs> but, you know, they are beans. They do grow in the ground. There must be a connection there somewhere or either that or my brain is just frazzled at the moment. So um, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you about the Future You programme. Uh, you've both given us some great advice from you, Chris, you know, the the person that you can get as a result of this and the very easy recruitment process is something that we need to emphasise. So if there are any employers listening to EMPcast, then, you know, there will be some more rounds of the Future You programme that they can put a project to and we will do that matching, as Chris said. Um, Sam, you gave us some really good tips on, you know, going out there and just trying something new which is fabulous um and really just get involved in future you because it's there for you and and sam you gave us that you know without being paid you gave us that advert which is you know ntu's employability services and from my side enterprise services are there for students and graduates beyond the time that they leave university so really do use those because that's what we're here for and sadly, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you, Sam and Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And thank you to our listeners, as always. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye. Are you a final year student at NTU? Preparing to enter the world of work after university can be daunting, especially in these uncertain times. However, NTU's employability team are here to help you plan your next steps now and for up to three years after graduating. All you need to do is sign up to Future U. That secures you graduate access to paid internships, mentoring support packages and more. Head to ntu.ac.uk forward slash Future U and sign up today.